This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another OUinsider.com podcast. I am joined by OUI staff writer Colin Kennedy. We're going to get into the 22 ranking class. 2022. 2022 rankings. You know, stuff that came out yesterday. Oh, man, I'm off to a roaring start here, Colin. Maybe just going stir-crazy, because I felt like we had this right when we were having our little production meeting going into this, and then I fumbled the ball. Hey, it's all right. I mean, we're all kind of rusty right now, exactly how that quarantine is going to pay off for us. So we'll see how this thing goes. I'm excited. Right on, man. Okay, so let's get into the top of the rankings right quick, because there are a number of OU targets that were ranked really highly, and we all thought that they would be, folks like Gentry Williams, Relique Brown. But then for me, seeing Quinn Ewers at number two was kind of stark. And then Maurice Horn, who's a Broken Arrow product, who's just down the street from me, is ranked inside the 150. So uh, let's start with Quinn Ewers. What are your, what's your takeaway from his ranking, and what have you seen from him so far? Well, uh, I think the big thing to consider here is that it was a ranking that was certainly expected. I saw a lot of people in the area or whoever covers Texas high school football like myself, was kind of seeing the writing on the wall. I mean, Quinn Ewers has essentially transformed into one of the best quarterbacks, not only in the state of Texas, but in the nation. And a lot of people feel like he's on the same level as some legendary profiles that have come out of the state in the years past. I know some people are pretty startled that he's up there at number two in the nation as an overall prospect, because then you're starting to talk about this guy on the same level as like a Vince Young or what have you when you go down the long list of legendary Texas high school football quarterbacks. Thing is, we talk about what have I seen from him, he's got the play to back it up. I mean, this dude at six foot three, 195, 200 pounds, he looks every bit of a D1 starting quarterback, but then you see him throw the ball, and you're thinking to yourself, man, this guy in any sort of offensive system can just get the job done, let alone in Lincoln Riley's, but I'm sure we'll get to that here in a second. My big thing, too, is he's got an underrated amount of athleticism, especially with his frame. I think he just has all the pieces. And you know how they say there's a five-tool baseball players. This guy has every tool that you want at the quarterback position. So taking that into consideration, I certainly understood why the rankings committee put him in number two. I felt like it was the right move because this dude, I really firmly believe, is one of the best quarterbacks in the nation regardless of classification. So I'm going to just read his measurables for the folks that are new because I understand some folks have a hard time keeping up recruiting and don't just inhale it like myself and Colin and Brandon at OUI. But Quinn Ewers, uh, E-W-E-R-S, is pro-style quarterback, six foot three, 195 pounds, out of South Lake Carroll High School, which you'll know the Dragons have a proud quarterback tradition. I want to say going all the way back past Chase Daniel at South Lake Carroll. I got that right, Colin? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got a lot of guys that come out of there that have some pretty high-profile individual recognitions for themselves. So they're pretty good. So 
his cure. Crystal balls right now show 67% to Oklahoma, which is good. 33% to Texas. He fits what scheme Oklahoma tries to run in that it's a pro raid. He can move, but that's not his calling card. His calling card is accuracy and being able to throw the ball down the field. Obviously, as the number two overall kiddo in the 2022 class, he's also the number one quarterback in the class and number one player in the state of Texas. Right now, we're looking at Alabama hot on the trail, Ryan Day at Ohio State, of course, Lincoln Riley, Mike Yursich at Texas, and interestingly for me, Chad Morris at Auburn. I think we all give Oklahoma an edge, but I know Steve Wiltfong had a really good piece, uh, I want to say earlier this week, referencing what Quinn Ewers was thinking and how Oklahoma seems loaded up to get perhaps the number one quarterback in the 2021 class and the 2022 class, 2021 being Caleb Williams. My question, Colin, and this is one that I think is nebulous at this point is because he hasn't done it, but if Caleb Williams were to commit to Oklahoma, would, would that scare off Quinn Ewers? Because traditionally, across the board, five-star quarterbacks don't usually want to follow five-star quarterbacks in back-to-back classes. Yeah, I think the big thing that we have to admit to ourselves, it, was, it would certainly have some sort of impact, right? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that quarterbacks of that high of a profile are very comfortable with sitting, especially when you're someone like Quinn Ewers who started on varsity as like a sophomore. And next thing you know, he's leading one of the state's most proud programs to the Texas high school football playoffs. I mean, I have to believe that if Caleb Williams were to commit to Oklahoma and eventually sign the dotted line, that's going to shape this thing moving forward, especially when, like you mentioned, there's so many other really, really good college football programs coming after him. I I, I think that's all going to sort its way out. I think he has a great mentor in Riley Dodge, his head coach, because Riley understands this thing. He's been through not only high school stardom, but the college works and how recruiting is such a mess. And so with that in consideration, I think Quinn has a lot of things to think about over the coming days because, I mean, he's not only going to face this at Oklahoma. I mean, Texas, Alabama, go on down the line. Everyone's got their dude in 2021. That's just how quarterback recruiting is. And so I still kind of at the end of the day think that if Caleb Williams were to commit to Oklahoma, that Quinn would certainly maybe back off a bit. But I also feel like playing in this system and having that redshirt opportunity is certainly something worth considering. And so I feel like Quinn and Oklahoma would still be in good standing if Caleb Williams were to commit today. And I wanted to throw this in here while we're talking about the two. Everyone's kind of talking about how Caleb Williams, number one quarterback in 2021, what's his comparison, right? And everyone, especially OU fans, thinks, okay, this guy may be Kyler Murray when you combine the arm talent, the athleticism, what have you. We've kind of profiled Quinn so far in this podcast today, RJ, and I kind of want your take on this. I see what Caleb Williams is to Kyler Murray. I kind of see some similarities to Quinn Ewers and another Texas high school football quarterback, in Baker Mayfield. Now, I understand the frames are a lot different, but we're talking about pure arm talent and underrated mobility. I think Quinn's got a chance to be real special because he plays a little bit of moxie. He has a real good amount of confidence. He's much quieter than Baker is. But then when he puts it all together, combined with his natural athleticism and arm talent, this guy's got a real bright future. And that's why at the end of the day, you bet on yourself. And I think that Oklahoma would get the benefit of the doubt in that situation. I don't think that that's a bad comparison. I would add there that Baker was a late bloomer like you read about. He was short. He was pudgy. He didn't get invited to Elite 11 camps. He was also very, Mm -hmm. very 
pissed about that. I mean, Trent Dilford's got some awesome stories about how Baker Mayfield has treated him since, and I enjoy every last one of those. But he was a winner, and that's what Riley looked for most in his quarterbacks. And one of the reasons that he tried to get him to East Carolina before he decided to come to Oklahoma, and we saw how that worked out. But even at, at Texas Tech, he just didn't take a back seat to, to Davis Webb or Michael Brewer. He always thought that he should be the guy. For me, what if Sam Bradford was a little bit more fluid? He's six foot three to Bradford being six foot four. I get that. And I think he's gonna fill out in his frame. But you talk about accuracy, you talk about his temperament, which I think is really what we should be talking about when we talk about quarterbacks more than their physical attributes. What is their temperament, right? Uh Patrick Mahomes, for instance, is a fun loving dude who also just likes to let it sling. He's liable to try to throw the no-look pass. He's liable to just try different things to get the ball down the field, but he's also got a cannon for an arm. And I think that's one of the reasons why I put Spencer Rattler in that category. I think he's going to throw a bunch of interceptions. But what's a bunch, right? Is a bunch 14? Is a bunch 12? Is a bunch uh, 19, right? And then in his first year, we'll see what that looks like. But he's also going to throw 40 touchdowns, right? He's just going to let it go. He's going to air it out. And he's going to have a lot of fun. Bradford was a much more cerebral guy. Didn't have a whole lot to say. But was also steely, was icy, was competitive, was an outstanding athlete, whether it be golf or high school basketball. If I mean, the thinking was he could have played quarterback and on the men's basketball team at Oklahoma. He just didn't have that temperament of being the, the kind of guy that just wants to bark at everyone in the way that a guy like Mayfield does. And I haven't interviewed uh, viewers like you have, so you'd be able to tell me if I'm off base here, but it, it feels like he's just a quiet assassin. He's just, he knows he's good. He doesn't need to tell you he's good. And, He's also very fluid in how he goes about running the offense and how he goes about moving. And I'm a big fan of how guys move on a football field. If it looks technical, I'm a little bit put off by that because that's a lot of coaching. And I get it. There, there's a lot to be said about being technically sound. But watching a guy that has a little backyard flair to him to go along with a quick release, uh, tremendous arm talent, and an ability to make something happen outside the pocket. Not run away from people by any means, but also he and a statue like, say, a Landry Jones. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think a more mobile Sam Bradford is maybe the perfect comparison when you're looking at what Quinn Ewers could bring to the table. And we're obviously, we're really looking at OU quarterbacks just trying to liken the fan base to what this guy may provide down the line. And I think that's exactly what you can expect. I think what I love about Quinn, especially when he was such a young guy executing a very intricate offense, and Riley Dodge and South Lake Carroll Dragons, he just made it look easy. Like, it was buttery smooth whenever this youngster was on the field. And that's not something that you often see, especially when someone at his age is going against some of the best talent in Texas high school football, like a Duncanville or what have you. I mean, this guy just found a way to execute the offense and never blink an eye. And so at the end of the day, I think that's why I really like the Bradford comparison. He's just – he knows how to get the job done and make it look simple. And at the end of the day, if you have that at the quarterback position, you are in great hands no matter who you're facing. No, it's 100% correct. And you mentioned Duncanville. You want to talk about a polar opposite to Quinn Ewers. Try to Jaquindon Jackson, who's, who's all athlete and cannon back there, man. Just big dude who is going to get it done any way he needs to get it done. If that means carrying the ball like a loaf of bread, he's going to do that. I, I enjoy that. That, that – that matchup in my head just feels like a lot of fun. And we could see it, right? Like if Ewers were to decide to go to Oklahoma and Jackson ascended to the top of the quarterback depth chart, who knows, 2023, 
2024, it could be there. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. Let's move to another prospect that Oklahoma is very high on, or two, really, skill players. One athlete, Gentry Williams, and the other, running back, Relic Brown, who has settled into his position, who made the transfer to modern day, and is, I mean, he took a slip in the latest rankings, but I'm not, I mean, he's a top 25 kiddo. And then Gentry Williams from Booker T in my hometown at number nine, I think he was at eight when the last time the rankings came out, has a, an opportunity to be special on either side of the ball. And I think he's going to move away from playing quarterback this year at Booker T, but we'll wait and see on that. What's your feeling about those two guys as prospects? Because I know we talked about Relique quite a bit on the podcast, but I don't think we've dug into Gentry so much. Yeah, we have plenty of Relique Brown dialogue if our listeners want to scroll back, but I'm sure we'll get to it even more as things go along. As far as Gentry goes, Obviously, I deal with more of the Texas guys, but Gentry is an individual who, no matter where I go in the state of Oklahoma, I hear about the kid. And that, to me, is something that really stands out because I liken that. And look, I'm a young guy. I haven't been around the OK prep scene for a minute. But for me, the guy that I always heard about was Dax Hill. And, And so when I liken the amount of times that the name Gentry Williams is in my ear to Dax Hill, that tells me that this guy is Canton's talent. And then you put on the film and you say to yourself, oh, yeah, no wonder why everyone's talking about him because he's an electric athlete, and that's why he's literally labeled an athlete. This guy can do whatever you ask him to do on the football field. You mentioned that he plays quarterback. A lot of people see him as a corner. I bet you could play safety or a wide receiver. I mean, the guy can just go wherever and succeed at a high level. And that's why it's huge at this stage that Oklahoma's leading in the crystal ball. This kid's been on campus in the past. He is someone that has such a high-profile name in the state of Oklahoma that it seems like it's a must-get. But, man, I mean, take everything out and you just turn on the tape or you just listen to what people say about him. Gentry is a next-level player that Oklahoma has to get in the mix. And for him to be inside the top ten, I think it's well-deserved. I think it's great for the state of Oklahoma. They have a top ten caliber talent to be recognized as this recruiting process goes on. I look at Gentry Williams and I see a kiddo that's going to have to make a decision, not necessarily about playing offense or defense. I know that many people project him as a defensive back. I could see him playing wide receiver slot, just the guy that you want to get the ball in the hands of the kind of athlete that you've talked about with Dax Hill, uh, though he's faster than Dax. And that's really what I'm getting at. Dax Hill's a four, four, 40-yard dash guy. He can go 4-3. You know, he's actually disappointed that he doesn't run faster at sometimes. Also was the defensive rookie of the year and really Michigan's rookie of the year for the Wolverines last year as a safety coach bursting onto the scene. Gentry has the opportunity to run in the next Olympic Games. He's that good. I've never seen a true freshman win a large school state title in the 400 meters the way I saw him do it. You know, kid can just fly. 47 second, 400 meter dash as a 14 year old kid. Might as well be 44 seconds in the Olympics. He's that fast. He just needs to develop and he needs time, right? And he needs really to commit to that being his sport. If he tried to pull a Xavier Carter, if he tried to pull a Trendon Holiday, I think he's going to short himself on both ends, right? He's going to have to choose football or track and field, I think. I could be proven wrong, but in my estimation, Chuba Hubbard went, ran in the world finals as a youth and he picked football, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill is famously fast. 
he picked football. I think that at some point, Gentry's going to have to make a decision. Because, like, Gil Roberts coming out of Millwood, he could have played football. He chose to run track at Texas Tech. He's pretty doggone good at it. So that's what interests me most about Williams is the the real first-world athlete problem he's going to have to have. He's going to have about, yeah. about what am I going to play? Am I going to play offense? Am I going to play defense? Am I going to try to go both ways? Am I going to run track? Yeah, and I think it's a great point to bring up. I, I can't remember. I think it was either Jeff Demps or Chris Rainey back at Florida, one of those two running backs that had Olympic-level speed, Demps. ended up running for the U.S. national team after a pretty good run in college as a football player. So maybe you can do both, just separate them. My thing for Gentry is, look, I think he's a naturally gifted runner, like you're mentioning. I also want to dive into a little bit more of what you're talking about if he goes the football route, which I think is obviously on the table. The offense versus defense thing. We've, we've talked about it already. The guy can do whatever you ask him to. In my opinion, this recruitment is going to be very eye-opening just for me and for maybe a lot of fans in the recruiting world because we talk about Lincoln Riley, okay? That offense is just otherworldly. You see videos that's, that are put out by Urban Meyer or what have you breaking down the X's and O's, and you got Reggie Bush on the air saying, if I am a high school football recruit and I'm going to pick the offense that I'm going to be a part of, I have to be a part of this one. I have to. But then you go off of that, and now there's another selling point on the flip side of the football with the speed D of Alex Grinch. So with both sides being so attractive to a recruit, and then being someone like a Gentry Williams who can do whatever and do it at a high level, in my opinion, I need to see if these Oklahoma coaches are going to allow him to do both on the football field. You may not be able to do both in terms of football and track, but if you're going to take one away, you might as well let the kid go all in on just one. And so I think like how they handle DJ Graham, the young freshman coming in from Keller, who I, we've talked about it. I watched this kid on offense, defense, and special teams, destroy who was ever in front of him. How they handle him as maybe a prototype could be what we see from Gentry Williams down the line. I need to know if Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch are going to make this thing work and they are committed to win a national championship, is it not about, at the end of the day, getting your best 11 on the field? And in my opinion, it doesn't matter what side it is. Gentry Williams is certainly one of the best 11. I feel like they should give him the keys to play both sides. What do you say? I think it's going to be an interesting pitch, man. I think if I'm if I'm picking, it, it gets simple for me. Um, I'm going to make more money as an offensive player. I'm going to look better as mm-hmm. an offensive player. Uh, I am already going to join a prolific offense, and I'll be joining a defense that's on the way back but is by no means elite. And if I want the challenge of turning around something cool, that's great. But in my, in my experience, you want to be a part of an, an enormously awesome system. You don't want to be, unless you're the quarterback, the guy that is responsible for turning a thing around, right? I think that's one of the reasons why Dax Hill didn't end up at Oklahoma. You know, uh, not to say that Michigan is that much better, but he gets to go to a place where he's known as a five-star. He's not known as Dax Hill. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think Gentry Williams would be very much the same. So if you're going to, if you wanted to play offense and he just kind of was like, I, I, I would like to play both, but if I had to pick, I'd play offense, give more offensive snaps than defensive snaps, and then just see how it goes. Because in my experience, trying to make a kid into an offensive lineman that doesn't want to play offensive line is difficult. Trying to make a kid into a safety that wants to be a wide receiver is difficult. If he doesn't really want that and doesn't have the passion to be in both meeting rooms at the same time, to learn both sides of the ball at the same time, 
to work twice as hard as everybody else at the same time for maybe even half the snaps, then I would ask him to pick a side. Because, yeah, it'd be fun for you and I to cover that because it would be remarkable to watch play out. But from the workload aspect of it and from what he's going to be asked to do by both Riley and Grinch, I just, I have a hard time really putting that on a kid that just isn't built 100% the right way to withstand that workload, that amount of coaching, and frankly, that locker room. Because you also have to be the kind of guy that everybody likes. Because if you come off even a little bit like a prima donna, it ain't going to go well. And and you'll wash out sooner rather than later. So I would ask him to pick a side. And if you pick wide receiver, I would say thank you. If you pick safety or corner, I would say thank you. But I would not want to put on him playing both ways. I'd make I'd want him to be all in on that and give him as much latitude as possible. Uh I want to say yeah, I, oh, I think it's a safe point as well. I just want to quickly say yeah, I should I should quickly mention that I'm not saying force the kid to play, but I need to see if the staff is willing enough okay. to if he wants to allow the kid to play both. I just felt like that's important to say. No, it's true. It's and it really is important to say because you know, the same thing was floated with Jadavion Clowney at South Carolina when Steve Spurrier was recruiting him. And, uh, you know, Jadavion Clowney said, I'm a running back. He says, uh, no big boy. Your hands on your hands on the ground. No big boy. And, you know, if it, I think he's the highest rated player ever, you know, in the rankings era. Uh, yeah. And if that guy isn't able to go both ways, you know, like, and looking at college football in particular, the guys that go both ways since Charles Woodson, haven't really fared all that great. I mean, Jabril Peppers is an outstanding player, but we only knew him as a guy that played both ways. We didn't know him as a wide receiver. We didn't know him as a safety. You know, he returned kicks. Like, Derek Stingley Jr. is probably going to try to play both ways this fall for LSU. And he was told by, you know, he was told by Ed Orgeron, I'm not playing you both ways as a true freshman because your dad asked me not to. But when I read this quote, like in October, about him going both ways in the sophomore, I'm like, okay, on, on certain situations, I could totally see that. But I also don't want to burn the kid out, and I really, I want him sharp at corner. You know, I want him to be the best cornerback in the country, and that's hard enough to do. You know, he's already returning kicks as a true freshman too, man. He's their punt returner. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, Ed Orgeron is open to it. Right, obviously, Bo Pelini would have to be, or he wouldn't get the job. Scott Linehan would have to be, or he wouldn't get the job. Insmeager's already on because he was here last year. But that's how I look at these things. I say, okay, what is the best case scenario for a kid that goes both ways? Charles Woodson, is that it? Oh, I mean, Charles Woodson ended up playing defensive back in the league because there's more of a priority put on trying to get that kind of guy, even as that kind of guy doesn't actually make the money and isn't going to be leading your poster, right? Like, could Odell Beckham Jr. have been an outstanding corner? You betcha. Would he have made as much money or would we know his name in the same way that we know it now? No, man. Like, I would submit to you, Colin, who's the best NFL cornerback today? And then you don't have to have a right answer. Just who who do you think? Best NFL cornerback today? That's a tough question to ask. Here's what I'll say. I'll say off the top, I think 
when you look at the guy that just got paid the most money yeah. in Mr. Byron Jones, yeah. that's because that guy's been playing DB for a minute, and he's such a naturally gifted athlete. He poured that athleticism into that loan position. Right. So he got five years, $82 million from the Dolphins after playing some safety and then moving to corner. Uh, I mean, I would also throw Chris Harris into this conversation. I know he's aging, but, I mean, also big yeah. to stand up. I also I look at that and I see five years eighty two million. Okay, cool. Um, Amari Cooper just got five years one hundred million. And would people be able to pick Amari Cooper out of a lineup? Probably. Can they pick out Byron Jones? You know, like you and I can, but we're also nuts. You know, I, yeah, we're also Cowboys fans. Well, <laughs> watch that guy right. shut people down. Right. Well, I mean, and even uh, take it to the Chargers. Can you pick out Derwin James or can you pick out Keenan Allen? You know, can you pick out Chris Harris sure. or can you pick out Melvin Gordon? I mean, and, and Melvin Gordon. Oh, might, Melvin Gordon. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm getting at. Like, the prestige is always going to be on the offensive side of the ball because football is skewed, skewed toward offensive football. Uh, which leads me to the other can, uh, kiddo that I want to talk about inside the top 25 that OU has its hooks into. Relic Brown, who came onto the scene at OU last year at an elite camp where he was playing wide receiver to Brock Vandergriff throwing passes. To everybody, everybody that's there is going, is that a whiteout? Is that Hollywood Brown times two? And what did he say? I'm a running back. And I'm going, okay, you get to keep that in a way that some kids don't, right? There's lots of kids that think of themselves as running back. They're going to be playing DB. <laughs> They're going to be playing safety. They're going to be playing linebacker. Jadavion Clowney played defensive end. So knowing all of that and knowing how he's sitting right there, still just top 25, inside the conversation for five-star, what do you think – he needs to prove going into his junior season? Well, it's a loaded question to ask. I think we should preface this by saying Willie Brown coming in at number 20 right now and considered the number one running back in the nation. Pretty good start, if I do say so myself. <laughs> so going off of that, you say there's probably not much that he can prove at this yeah, point. Yeah. He just kind of has to uphold that standard. See, that's where I, I kind of factor in something that Lincoln Riley brought up, I believe, on early signing day that really stood out to me because I don't know if I ever really took it into consideration in the past. Maybe that's just because I'm a younger mind and I haven't been around the recruiting world that much. But they essentially asked him about Marvin Mims, right? And the guy that essentially became a national record holder at the receiver position and became such a nationally recognized name that you thought, well, this guy's an easy take. The, the matter of fact is that Marvin Mims wasn't always factoring in Oklahoma's plan mm -hmm. because of what Lincoln Riley said that day. Mm -hmm. He said, look, we are very, very key on seeing players improve. We want to see them take next steps. We want to see them continue to work hard. And are they being complacent with their talent or are they doing whatever they can to develop and turn into the elite-level talent that we know them to be. And that's where, for me, really Brown has to take this into consideration. You, you already did it, dude. I mean, hey, number one running back, top 20 athlete. You're considered by almost every program in the nation to be an athlete that could do whatever you want on the offensive side of the football. I mean, yeah, like, you're pretty darn good. I'm telling you that you're pretty much Percy Harvin. That's not praise to be overlooked. But at the same time, I need to see how Relique Brown handles the status because, bottom line, yeah, he should have did Oklahoma's camp and blew the roof off. But at the same time, I don't think a ton of people in attendance knew exactly who Relique Brown was at the time. 
So he's taking those next steps that Lincoln Riley mentioned and has now ascended to top overall status at his position, top 20 ranking in the nation. So now what I need to see is, okay, do you go from 20 to 19 or you go from 20 to 21? You know what I'm saying? How do you now take this recognition and build on it? What are you going to do to make sure that this foundation builds you towards sustained success? And that's what I always point to with these highly coveted recruits is, are you going to be complacent with your talent or are you going to take this and use it as fuel? I think Raleigh Brown is the kind of kid that's going to use it as fuel, and I can't wait to see what kind of fire ignites for this young guy. I want to go through the top 100 with uh, crystal balls pointing to Oklahoma, and then I'm going to ask you to pick out just a couple of kiddos that I know that you've talked to that you're going to write about on OUNsider.com that you think need to be spoken about here today. Uh, at 55, Kobe McKenzie, who's in the boat, he plans to reclassify for the 2021 class, but we'll see how that goes. It's still open. He's shooting for it right now. We'll know for sure uh, in December, right? So there's that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and I would really wonder what, what would he be ranked in 2021. And I know uh, I'm probably going to get Gabe Brooks on the podcast at some point to talk about that. Armani Winfield coming out of Louisville, Texas, uh, six foot two, 180 Rap. pounds. Right. Yep. No, uh, he's ranked 90th. And then Taylon Shetron at 93. Ranking, uh, six foot three, hundred seventy pounds, coming out of Edmond, Santa Fe. That is that dude has been on the come up for some time, and I'm excited to see what he looks like going into his junior season. And of course, I mentioned Maurice Horn at 144, and I got to get to Jacob Sexton also at at 161. So lots of quality kiddos trending toward Oklahoma. But Colin, you spent uh, a couple of days trying to track down a few of them. Who do you want to talk about? Yeah, I'll just quickly run through a few. I want to first mention Devon Campbell, young man of Arlington Bowie High School, a young man that in this area has ascended to astronomical heights. I mean, we're talking about a kid, RJ, that only just a few months ago, I mean, like maybe two or three or less, has gone from literally no one knew about this guy to now number 14 in the nation, the number one ranked offensive guard in the country. I can't even describe you how this dude has blown up over the past few weeks. I mean, the guy goes to an offensive line camp put on by Coach O. Next thing you know, this guy is getting offers from Florida, from from Alabama, from, from Oklahoma. And now we're talking about a dude that in this area went from who is that guy to, oh, my goodness, we got to get that guy on the roster. Devon Campbell has done an outstanding job of making a name for himself. Have to give him props. I want to talk about quickly Kamari Wilson, the young man who was checked in as the number one safety in the nation coming out of the state of Florida. I had a great long talk with him last night. I'm going to have all that up on OU Insider. But basically, this dude has worked his butt off for so long. And just last season, Missed three games, but still totaled 114 tackles, five picks, and two pick sixes. I don't know how that's done, especially in the state of Florida, but Kamari Wilson did exactly that. So make sure you check that out. And finally, there, I just want to quickly mention a couple of dudes that I feel like are on the outside looking in because we don't talk about that often with these rankings. I think Bobby Taylor, cornerback out of Katy, someone that Oklahoma is coming after heavily. That's my guy. I think he is easily a top 247 talent, but he's moved around. He's had some things going on for him recently. So I think Bobby Taylor's a name to know in 2022 that may not be on this list. And then you get to talk about Trent McGoffey, tight end for Shadow Creek, who just won a state championship there first. 
I think he's obviously on the outside looking in, and he's wondering why. But, I mean, the guy just played tight end for the first time all career. And now we're talking about a dude that has visited Oklahoma, is getting a lot of attention from Florida. I mean, this guy is basically becoming a nationally recognized tight end, and he barely even knows how to play the position. So those are a couple of names on the outside that I feel like a lot of people should know. They will be on the inside and quite up top the inside top 247 very, very soon. Right on. Colin is going to write about a number of these kiddos at OUinsider.com, so be on the lookout for those. Uh, quickly, I just want to want to just drive this home. Devon Campbell coming out of Arlington Bowie, that's the same place that Ty DeArmond came out of, and Danny DeArmond is head coach there. I'm going to be interested to see how this goes because Ty did mm-hmm. not have the greatest freshman year and got out of Dodge just as soon as he got in. He was a late addition to the 2019 class. He, fl- he flipped from Arizona State last minute because Lincoln Riley asked him to, and then he kind of wilted on the vine. So I'm going to be interested to see if any of that plays into it. Uh, I know that Danny is an upstanding person, and Danny wants the best for his kids, but I'm sure that there's going to have to be some conversations if there haven't been already about how that went down. And I'd also add, yes, Devon Campbell's number one guard in the country. The number one guard in the country for this class, 2021, Donovan Jackson. Donovan Jackson's committed to Ohio State. Ohio State has this prodigious, could-be-all-time best class if they finish at their pace currently, and he's also teammate with one Cullen Montgomery, who is committed mm. to Oklahoma. Uh, so I love how all of these these spider webs intertwine through recruiting. 